Hello, welcome to the latest Pensions in 10 with me, David Brooks, and my colleague, Simon Q, wherever he is. This week, we talk about um, the PPI event into engagement and a report they prepared, and Simon was our intrepid reporter on that one. The latest on the lifetime allowance, buckle up, techie time. And also we discuss discretionary increases and the pension ombudsman, two of our favourite topics on the pod. So Simon, you were with our friends in the PPI talking about engagement last week. Did you have a nice time? And what did you learn? I had a lovely time, thank you. Yes, um, the Pensions Policy Institute um, held an event looking at member engagement. Uh, for those that want to read in a little bit more depth, it's briefing note, and I'm checking my notes, briefing note 136. Um, I think the, the key points to tease out, uh, and PPI do correct me if you think there's more to it than this, but the, the, the key elements, they're looking at uh, engagement and how to engage members and what engagement actually means, which kind of echoes what we we talked about with, with Chloe Taylor from Quiet Room on our broadcast. So what are you trying to get the member to do? recognises there are, are, are different stages of engagement. So you've got people that they call marginal, then you move from marginal to non-engaged, to somewhat engaged, and then to fully engaged. And I did find it quite disturbing, Dave, that there was lots of talk there about disengaged Dave. Uh, and of course, you're one of the most engaged Daves I know. So on all levels, on all definitions. Yeah, so it obviously <laughs> doesn't apply to you. Um, but it, it, uh, they also tease out as well that you engage with, with people differently depending on how involved they are in it. So if someone uh, is in the marginal camp, they're saying build awareness, provide contact details or register for a digital portal right the way through to someone that's fully engaged. You can do advice or guidance, engagement with different retirement options, uh, or um, active choices and contribution levels or investment strategies. So it's it's talking to people in the way that they wish to be spoken to, which is something that we've said many times uh, on here. Some really interesting stats as well that back this up. So uh, on the uh, amount of savings in, in the pension, 29% uh, of people do not know, broadly speaking, how much their pension is worth. 47% have not reviewed how much their pension is worth in the last 12 months. On contributions, 37% of people are not aware of how much they or their employer contribute to their DC pensions. 74% have not personally chosen to change their contribution levels in the last three years. And 21% of those people are not aware that they could change their contribution levels. 79% have never thought a lot about how much they should be paying into the DC pension. So there are some huge gaps there that really need addressing. But broadly, um, the PPI is saying that we need to engage with people in different ways and different levels of engagement and acknowledge that some people just don't really want to be engaged at all. Yeah, no, I was really, I was encouraged a lot by this um, report because it feels like it sort of supports, I mean, particularly our in, intuitive feeling. I mean, I'm sure others as well watching, you know, what it's, it's almost like a, a, a stock take of what you think is happening is almost certainly what is happening within the engagement. And I think it was important they're sort of teased out and the bits you were highlighting is that okay if you want to engage people well we need to define that but if you want to engage people to do something then targeting those in an almost in sort of priority order of those that you're most likely to get some wins with because as you say there are some people that no matter what you do they're never going to engage and that's that's fine that's life you know okay everyone's free to do what they want you know and that's why we try to build a system that 
works for those people as well and the default options will work and then the 74 percent of people that have never done anything well hopefully for the majority of them the system is just going to work by chance it might not but let's hope it does and but not everyone also the other side not everyone will benefit with engagement they might end up making suboptimal decisions and so having you know segmenting people and targeting them in that way i think is one of the key takeaways for me from from what the ppi have been talking about I agree, Dave. I mean, we've spoken in the past or the industry has spoken in the past of potentially having pensions communications in orange envelopes. Well, mm -hmm. that's great for people that are engaged, but for people that aren't engaged, it just makes it easier for them to put them in the bin. So it, rather than telling people what they're going to get, very much we need to engage with people. or We need to understand what they actually want from the process. And if it is no engagement, then we need to make sure that they are looked after and protected. And those people that do want to be fully engaged can then can then do so. Yeah. Dave, we have a, a looming date in regards to lifetime allowance. What's that? <laughs> What's the lifetime allowance? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we could start. We'll leave, no, we'll leave that one. But um... No, we have a big day, 6th of April 2024 is obviously the lifetime allowance is going to be abolished. And then in, in return for the abolishment, we get two new allowances. So we get the lump sum allowance and the lump sum death benefit allowance. And I will be frank and say it isn't going fantastically well. Um, I've been on a couple of calls with HMRC and lots of other, if not exclusive, loads of other people from the industry trying to talk to um, HMRC to understand how the rules are going to work, what's going to change. And I don't think I've ever been on calls with quite so many angry pensions people in my life. I won't name names, but some people are clearly very unhappy with the way the rules are being changed and some of the unintended consequences of that, that devilish phrase, unintended consequences, where the rules seem to make sense in one circumstance, but then you apply them to something else. Um, it's going to cause problems. And one of the biggest problems at the moment is around a thing called an RBCE statement. So in the current world, we have a thing called BCEs, benefit crystallization events. From April 24, we'll have relevant benefit crystallization events. So exciting, pensions rebrands. And you have to apply for a statement, um, potentially apply for a statement of what available lump sum allowance you have before you have an RBC after April 24. And that is going to cause a lot of problems for people wanting to take benefits, especially those that are in um, a thing called partial or phased drawdown when you gradually move funds from your accumulation pot into your drawdown pot and each time you take some tax-free cash um, throw that off and people will need to do something before they can take that and um, it's messy and there's some other weird rules in there that HMRC really needs to get their heads around um, it's probably too late to wish for a delay to 2025 but um, there are some massive challenges and you know from a point of view of somebody who works for an administration firm we're still in this sort of limbo state not being able to advise members or help members you know make the right decisions because we just don't know how it's all going to shake out um so it's deeply frustrating um trustees obviously will be frustrated if their members aren't being um, informed appropriately as well so but we're doing our best to try to make sure we can continue with business as usual but it is going to be cutting it very very fine the way we're going at the moment fresh off the back of being told they're not a competent court the pensions ombudsman is back in the news. I was going to try and get a tenuous link between gavels, uh, but of course we don't use gavels in courts over here. So do you want to talk us about the, the recent uh, pensions ombudsman ruling on Sotheby's? Yes, well, this was last year, um, but I think it's come to light in the context of um, discretionary increases. Again, we've talked about discretionary increases quite a few times on this and the ombudsman, we love the ombudsman. Um, 
But this is a case of Sotheby's where the scheme was winding up. And the takeaway, the key takeaway from this is the Ombudsman is very clear on what the priority order is and what assets should be used for in the time when there's surplus funds in, in the scheme. And basically, the, the, the trustees are under no obligation to do anything more than what is specified in the scheme rules and what the statutory priority order is. And the statutory priority is a list of three or four items that you must secure when you're buying out in it, and any excess can be sent back to the sponsoring employer who is a beneficiary under the trust, obviously. And this is being raised in the context of BP pensioners who are still um, strongly arguing that they should be um, given some discretionary increases following the high inflation we've had, coupled with some high um, profits or record high profits for, for BP. Now, I have some sympathy for the for the pensioners. I mean, one of the issues they are basing a lot of their argument on newsletters and other sort of member communications that the, the employer would always try to do X, Y, Z. And it's difficult to take a precedent from things written in that way because no one could be bound forever by whatever, you know, a, a trustee board or employer promises, you know, the, the, a previous board can't hold a future board to to to, to these kind of expectations. So but I, but I have so I can understand why the PP pensioners would would ask. You know, if I was in their boot in their shoes, perhaps I would ask for the same thing. I think the the massive profits that you mentioned, and they are, as you say, record breaking profits, mm. should be used to bring down costs for all customers, which will ultimately then benefit pensioners, mm. uh, particularly with DB. Right, the, the pensions promise has been made. Um, the member knows what they're going to get at the end of it the employer knows that they're on the hook for it and as i've said before on here if, if there's a deficit in a db pension scheme the employer doesn't go to the the member and say okay cough up a bit uh, or actually we're going to give you reduced benefits because there's there's not enough money in there the employer has to stand by it or ultimately the ppf if the employer goes under but we're talking about the record profits as i say let's let's lower the price at the pump so those people that, that drive um, get a reduction in uh, petrol and diesel uh, and those people that are benefiting or use energy that these companies produce uh, also get a reduction that's what i'd like to see but yeah it's a bit of a tricky one it's a minefield really dave mm. it is it is i mean the minister's talked about it recently as well so we're still i don't know hoping expecting anticipating something from the minister on on this this area so i think it's definitely going to stay high on the agenda well done you've survived another week of pensions in 10 with dave brooks and myself very much look forward to seeing you next week. Please keep in contact. We love hearing from you. Have a great week.